We're going to pray to jump in and then go for it. So be ready to receive. God wants to speak to us. His word, it goes in our heart. The Bible says it falls on different kinds of soil, right? And so we want it to fall on good soil, right? And so God's word is always good, but our soil can be distracted by the cares of the world. It can be full of rocks. It can be hard. There's lots of things that can happen that keep us from being able to receive it and for it to grow well. And so let's just bow our heads and pray and ask God that whatever's going on in our lives, that he'll allow our hearts to be good soil. Father, I pray that our heart be good soil, that we'll receive what you have for us today, that it will grow, and that we will be able to put it into our lives, Lord, not just to be hearers of the word only, but to be doers of the word. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I have my Texas uh, fall shirt on today, which is like fall colors, but summer feel, right? But I'm wearing it because I am fully expectant of the fall. I believe in it. I believe it's coming. I believe it will be here. It'll probably be here late January, but I believe (laughs) that the fall will arrive. And my expectations are deep and full. And I think that that is how God wants us to be. Even if our circumstances, when we look around, we feel like our circumstances don't necessarily point to God moving on our behalf. They don't necessarily point to, we say, oh, I can't feel it. It feels the same. That God is working on our behalf and that he is putting his grace and his mercy and his goodness into our life, even when we're in a season maybe where we feel like it's supposed to be God's blessing, but we're not sure it's happening because some things around us feel the same. But to be expectant, like, Lord, I know it's changing. I know you're working. I know you're doing. And so we talked last month about giving. This month we're going to talk about receiving. Because receiving is the other side of that. It's giving and receiving. And so if you saw, we put them all over the the chairs. That's the October slip for the testing God that we're testing God for a year. That he said, you know, test me in this. That if you give and you tithe, that he'll open up what? He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out on us. So we're really going to be talking about what does it mean to receive from heaven. Because it's different than receiving from the world. It's receiving from heaven. It's a different source altogether. You know, the water for baptism was warm today because I got it from a different source. I didn't get it from outside this time. We got it from inside this time, and we hooked it up to an inside faucet. We ran warm water. Why didn't we do that sooner? It's fun to watch people go into cold water. <laughs> but today we did. But the source makes a difference, right? And so that's what we're believing is that the source of heaven, as he gives to us, the gifts will be different. The things we receive will be different than maybe what we expect naturally from the world when they say they're going to reward us or they're going to give to us or help us. And so as we jump into this, uh, it's receive How to open your life to the blessings of heaven. How do you even do that? That's what we're going to be talking about. So first of all, provision is what it's talking about. God gives us this from God made Adam and Eve. He said, you know what? I'm giving you all this provision. So we know that he provides. It's not a new thing. It's an old thing. From the beginning, he wanted to provide for us. Okay, so it's not, oh, well, okay, I'm going to test out this Malachi thing and see if God will provide for me and give me. He always has had a plan to provide. It's part of his nature. It's part of who he is because he's a giver. So that's what he wanted to do. So how do we actually receive it? So uh, I've got this uh, drowning person right here. And um, has anybody ever drowned before? You can drown and be resurrected, right? Or what do you call that? Resuscitated? Resurrected, maybe even. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But you can drown and come back up. It happens. We got four. How many people? Raise your hand again. How many people in here have drowned before? Wow. No wonder this church is awesome. We got people that won't even die underwater. This is awesome. Like the Mer Church, it's a mermaid. Okay, I'm getting distracted by myself. Okay, 
But this reminded me of a story, and so it's about receiving. There's a guy, and he was drowning like this in the water. Not a lady. They're usually smarter. It was a guy. He's drowning in the water. And somebody came by, and they went to throw him a life raft, like a, a, one of those safety things. What do you call those things? Those donuts. Preserver. Throws him a preserver. He says, here. And he says, no, nope, I don't need it. As he's going under. And he comes back up, and they're like, grab it. I don't need it. And they're like, grab it. And he's like, no, God's going to save me. And they're like, okay. So they left. He's going under again. A boat comes by. They see him, and they reach out, and they say, grab my hand. Get on the boat. You're going to drown. He's like, no, God's going to save me. He goes under again. Mm-hmm. A minute or two later, he floats back up. <gasps> a little helicopter comes by. Those little rescue ones you see at the beach. The orange helicopter lets the ladder down, looks down, and says, grab the ladder. He's like, no, God's going to save me. Helicopter leaves, and he drowns, and he dies. And he doesn't come back to church like you guys do. It's a real drowning. He's gone. And he goes to heaven. And he says, God, I thought you were going to save me. And he says, I tried. I sent a preserver. And I sent a boat. And I sent a helicopter. What do you want me to do? Like, I tried. Sometimes receiving means us letting go of how we want things to be done, how we want to do it ourselves, or how we want God to do it for us, and receiving the way that God is doing it for us. Right? And he needs us to do that. So the question on that is, will you receive, or this next slide shows, or do you got this? And I think that's how most of the culture lives. They're going underneath. I got it. It looks like your family's falling apart. I got it. It looks like you're getting crushed by addiction. I got it. It looks like you've got on it. And we have to be willing to do that. This next one is uh, photos of Mike Tyson. Mike, he has unequivocal ear-eating boxer of all time. He has unequivocally eaten more, but he was definitely the best pound. And so you might debate whether he was the best pound-for-pound fighter, but he was, but this is a picture of him winning. I got this, power. He was feared by everyone. He'd go in the ring, guys would just start backing up before he even threw a punch. Like he was just insane. Like if he got hit by Mike Tyson, you were done. And he chased people around the ring. They're running from him. He'd knock them out. People that were champions, people that had great records before, people that were feared before, and he would just get in the ring, and they would get afraid. He'd go and just knock them out. Got, the, got that. He got the money, all these things. There's one story I read on him where he backed up in a Lamborghini. He was at a, at a hotel, backs up in the Lamborghini, runs it into a little, one of those little tiny posts. Sometimes they're in parking garages. Hits it, gets out, looks at it. It's dented, gets mad, kicks the car, takes the keys, throws them at the the parking guy that was just standing in the garage, and he goes, here, take this. And he goes, I don't know where to take it. And he goes, no, take it. I don't need it. It's got a dent. Get it out of here. It's yours. Gave him the car. Never took it back. Gave him the car. So money, power, fame, all of it. They're interviewing him, and he said, and you can see in this next slide what happened with his life next, but he, he said, my three years in prison were the best three years of my life. And the reporter asked him, he said, what about when you had the millions? And this was his answer. He said, sometimes God punishes you by giving you everything you want. And that was his life before. And then he went in. Sometimes we want to receive things the way that we want to receive things. This is what I need. This is what I want. Lord, I'm serving. You're supposed to do this back for me. Lord, I'm giving. You're supposed to do this back for me. Lord, I did this. This is how I want it to come back. 
And when it doesn't happen, then we're upset or we're mad or frustrated or God's not doing anything. And receiving from heaven requires us to let go of our ways and to say, okay, those are natural things, but Lord, how do you want to give to me? I've told you before, if God had blessed me, like when I started even giving, if God had blessed me with giving me back money, I would have killed myself. Not on purpose, but I was a heavy drinker and a nut job. I would have died. He didn't need to give me money for my giving. He needed to give me a mentor and somebody to help me get out of addiction. If I serve someone and say, well, people are supposed to come serve me now. Well, if God's trying to teach me humility because I'm very proud and arrogant, he doesn't need somebody to come serve me. He might actually bless me by giving me even more opportunities to serve and continue to do the wax on, wax off and continue to let my life just be like, do this, son, do this. And he might do that, but he gives us what we need. And so in his life, he had to get broken down in order to be in a place where he would actually stop and slow down and receive. He let go of some of those things. So looking back at this verse, Genesis 2, 16, 17, it says, The Lord commanded him, you may eat, of the, eat freely from every tree. So God gave provision, that's one. The next verse in Genesis 1, 28 says, God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God gave purpose. God gave provision, and then God gave purpose. That's really all that we need. I mean, if you have provision and you have purpose, your life's going to be pretty good. And i got a purpose, and I've got provision. I, he gave them a companion. I mean, he's, I've got, he's giving this to them as in fellowship of community, Adam and Eve together. They've got this little community with both provision and purpose. They're a little family with provision and purpose, and God gave it to them. It's like, wow, we've got everything that we need. So good. And then pride comes in. And pride is where everything gets thrown off track. Genesis 1.28, this is where the devil comes in and starts talking to him. And he says, you will not surely die, the serpent told her, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So God's given us what he knows is our purpose and what he wants to give us for our provision, which might be different for the next person that we're looking at might be different than the person that we saw on our social media feed who just hit it big after two posts and one went viral and they're a billionaire now. Or whatever the case might be. We're praying for a new building. We're looking for a place to grow. I've got a friend in Fort Worth right now. Somebody gave him a building. Amazing, incredible one, sitting at a light next to a college. Ain't nobody's giving me a building. What's wrong, God? Why don't you give me a building? Is he a better son? No. That's what he needs and what God gave him, and that's his provision. My pride could say, Do, where's mine? And then be frustrated or be upset, but that's not how it works. How it works is, the, is this humility and trusting God, that, Lord, you're giving me what you want to provide for me because it's what's right for me right now. And you're also giving me other things relationally, emotionally, peace, strength, family, community. You're giving me these things, and I'm in the place that you want me to be at the moment. And you're giving me the things that you want to give. And then purpose. What's the purpose he's giving you? I want that person's purpose. No, I gave you the one that fits you. And if you'll embrace it, your life's going to be amazing. And you're going to have some great stories coming out of that. It's going to be awesome. And so it's this desire to embrace what God's actually giving us. James chapter 4, 5 through 6 says, Do you think the scripture says without reason that the Spirit, talking about God's Holy Spirit, that he says that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure, that he would work in us to live the life that he wants us to live. But he says, uh, Do you not understand 
that the spirit that he's caused to dwell in us yearns with envy. In other words, he wants to be a significant partner in our life. He wants to have a say. He wants to be involved. He doesn't want to be a side hustle. He wants to be it. He yearns for us. We were bought with a price through the blood of Christ. It was a heavy price. He wants to be the one that we're looking to, that we're in relationship with, we're connected with, that we're getting our provision and our purpose from. And when other things come in to distract from that, it pulls us away from it. And it says, but he gives more grace. This is why it says God opposes the proud. And we're going to get into this a little bit in a second, what it means. But he opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Well, I'm not proud. I'm the most humblest person I know. (laughs) Praise God. None of us are proud. And yet, there's things that when we're judging and throwing stones or being frustrated at other people, we're thinking, why did they get that? I deserved it more. Well, all those things are pride. All those are pride. And so he's saying that he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. My way instead of God's way is pride. But here's the word pride. Pride comes from this word hyperephanos. Not Thanos, Thanos, although he was proud too. Hyper, this is what it means. Beyond, over, and Phano, this is what it means, shine forth. So properly, in the meaning that it was used, was to overshine. You ever had a light or a lamp at your desk, but the bulb is too bright? Like, it's not useful anymore. I can't see, but lights help you see. But it's too bright, a flashlight does good if it's not too bright in your eyes. That's lighting up the room. But now you're shining in my eyes. Can you turn it off? I'm trying to help you see. You helped me see a second ago, but now it's in my eyes. These are real-life conversations with a four-year-old when you're a dad. Can you see? No. Put it down. Point it there. But you can overshine. You can over-try, over-hustle, over-struggle, over-grind, over-try to be the center, try to bless, try to do it. You can, you can overshine. By going beyond the faith that he imparts. Trying to be more than God directs. This is more than God asks you to do. Sometimes, and God says, you know what, take care of their need. And you're like, well, I'll take care of their need. Somebody, and you're talking to them about the Lord, and they're in a place of need. And God says, you know what, take care of their need. And you're like, well, I'll take care of their need, but I'm going to get them to do it. But it might be that God's just saying, you know And that might and tell them that God loves them. You're kind of overshining when you ask for four waters and dump them on their head. Just Relax. Why? Because you can trust that he's got the next person lined up. He's working a process in their life. And you don't have to overshine. It can be at work. It can be in other areas. But it's this idea of over, like I need more of me in order for this to work. What is humble? Humble is properly, it is a low, inner lowliness describing the person who depends on the Lord rather than self. So humble is, I depend on the Lord rather than myself. Being God-reliant rather than self-reliant, which, and this is how they share it in the, in the dictionary thesaurus, is which ironically always exalts a person and brings them true worth. So when we allow ourselves to be humble and to rely less on ourselves and to think not, I was reading this yesterday, not less of ourselves, but of ourselves less, We don't have to think that we're no good. God made us. We're amazing creations of God. David said, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. 
but we think more about God and his will and more about others and what God wants to do in the earth. We think about these things more, and we understand that we are not God, and so we're looking to him for direction and provision and love and what he would want to put in our lives and what we can receive from him and what he's doing. When we do that, even though it feels like I'm putting my wants and my desires on the side, I guess I'm not very valuable, the truth is that it lifts us into the place that God has us and actually creates more value. Forgiveness works the same way. I don't want to forgive. Forgiveness is what? Forgiveness is humility. They don't deserve it. I'm better than them. They don't deserve it. They hurt me. They don't deserve it. This. Well, I don't. Yes, I didn't deserve it either. I don't deserve to pastor this church. I deserve to stay drunk and end up getting myself killed. Because those are the choices I was making. Yet God in his great grace rescued me. Saved me out of it. And yet when you humble yourself and forgive, all of a sudden God lifts you into a higher place of peace, of being, and your entire life begins to get better. And you're like, wow. And people don't look at you and go, well, look, you got walked on. You must be a weak. In the world they do, but in the world of faith, when you forgive, you're right that people look and go, how did you do that? I need that because you walk in a freedom that I don't know. And then when they walk in that freedom, all of a sudden they're seeing what? They're seeing Jesus. They're seeing the goodness of God. They're seeing the freedom that he brings. And the person and their value in Christ becomes exalted. Opposes. Starts this first part of the word anti. It means opposite to and against. To arrange and order. To be squared off. My kids talk like this. They'll be in the kitchen, not anymore because most of them are, are moved out, but they'll be in the kitchen and walk up and all of a sudden you'll just be doing something. You might be able to grab a spoon. They're going to grab the spoon and all of a sudden somebody's like, square up. I'm like, square up? What are you talking about? Square up. Square up what? We're about to get in a fight. Right? Square up means we're about to go. Right? And so they're like, let's go. I'm like, take the spoon. Just go. I don't need a spoon. What do you square up over spoons? Whatever the case is, it's this, like this confrontational but that's what it's talking about is that opposition is to be like square up what you're doing doesn't work with what i'm doing and we're about to go at it when it's saying that god opposes the proud it's not just he kind of like doesn't think well of them or pour grace out of them it means that god literally squares up and he's like let's go you want to go that direction come on you want to go through me to get there let's go if you think you're big enough let's go Thankfully, he's like a father. If you're serving him and you love him, he's like a father. He's going to get you to the ground and put your hip out like he did, in, like he did with Jacob, but he's not looking to, to wipe you out. He's looking to teach you and to help you and to hold you. Kind of the same thing I do with Jackson still. I put him down. I put his hip out. I'm like, you're not there yet, son. You're not there. But it's just being squared up to reject the entire makeup of something and its whole arrangement. Hey, you're arranging yourself first and your wants and your needs and your desires first. God's like, I reject all of that. What can we use? I reject it all. It starts with me and then it's you. Well, that's not fair. I'm God. That's how it works. And it works the best that way. Let's go. Get in a car. You're going to take your kids on a trip. I want to drive. No, you're not driving. But I thought we're all valuable. We are all valuable. And that's why I'm driving. So we all get there alive. Right? Say, well, why? God thinks he's so much better than us. Well, one, he is. Well, I thought I'm valuable. Well, yes, you are. But the reason he wants to drive is he doesn't want you to kill everybody in the car. He has a better plan and a direction for life. And he wants to help you to get there. And that's part of the provision and part of the purpose. And so it says from, it's very set up to the final way that it's ordered. 
and to actually literally arrange in battle against. So do you want to be on the side where God is opposing you? Because this is what I want, this is what I need, this is how I want to do it? Or do you want to be on the side where God is with you? And that's where it says that he gives grace or he opposes. Well, what's the word grace? The word grace means favor, disposed to, of the Lord's favor, reaching and inclining to people because he is disposed to bless and to be near them. So grace is God literally saying, do you know what? I love you and I care for you and I'm with you and I'm going to come down into your area, your world. I've got purple, sparkly toenails at this exact moment on my feet. And for some reason, it will not wash off. It's been there since my wife was out of town. It's also in our dog's tail. He has a pink tail. It's all over our house. But it's on my toes, and it's wonderful. And I was working out at the club, and a guy walks up and looks at me, and I was in sandals, and he was in sandals. He goes, Sandal Brothers, and he fist bumps me, and he like looks down, so both in sandals, and he sees my toes. We're kind of brothers, maybe not quite totally brothers, because his are not that same way. But looking and saying, you know what? There's an actual right way. There's a wrong way, but grace for her was for me to get down in her life and say, where are you at? Let me connect you. God wants to get down in our life. And some of the stuff he gets down in our life to do, if you're at a God level, it seems silly. Why would he humble himself? Why would he come down to walk on the earth? Why would he come down to be involved in this? It's way worse than sparkly toenails. He's coming down to get involved in, in the stuff that you got going on. That's way beneath him. But he's coming down into that. So he's stooping down into, leaning down into, having grace. And it's actually to be near. It's not just the grace of giving things or the grace of giving position or the grace of giving favorite open doors, but it's the grace of giving himself to be near, to be with you. And so when we're talking about heavens opening and blessings pouring out, there's this need for us to let go of our first, before we can even receive, to let go of God. I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you how to do that. You help me. You show me how you want me to do that. How do you want to give? How do you want to bless? What do you want my purpose to be? You help me. You pour in. And then we wait on him to pour in our lives. And we watch and we look and say, how is God moving in my life? What is God doing? And so that's when we're doing the test and we're looking at the bottom. That's what we're looking for. God, what are you doing? Lord, how are you helping us? I didn't plan on pastoring a church. That wasn't my plan. My plan was doing businesses forever. I was going to build businesses and sell businesses and build businesses. And God's like, sell your business and you're going to plan a church. Okay. Guess we're going that direction. How to let go of it's not my plan. It's not my hope. It's not my desire. It's God's plan, God's hope, God's desire of what he wants to do. Matthew 6. I'm just going to read a little part of this, and I'm going to stop because we went a long day with other things, but, um, and we're going to do this for the month. But Matthew 6, this is Jesus talking. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, which just means your name be from come, right? So your way, not my way. What do you want to do? Let it come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can pray that. It's very easy to pray that. Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And we're thinking about our country, our culture, our neighborhood, our schools, the world. But guess who's on the earth? Us. So it's, it's come here in me, in my thoughts, in my actions, in my attitudes, in my desires, in my relationships. Come here. If all the people that profess to be believers just in the United States Mil, like millions, like I don't even know what the number is off the top of my head, but it's millions, like 100 million plus. 
people lived just this first part of this prayer, all of the change everybody wants to see would already be done. Already be done. Porn industries will go out of business because a lot of Christians are watching it. But they wouldn't do that anymore. There's no money. Alcohol, drugs, fighting, divorce, a lot of things that are happening would be stopped because a big part of the people that are actually funding it are believers. Because this part of the verse isn't happening. And so the prayer first is in our own heart. Lord, do this in me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. So Lord, I don't need you to give me enough provision for the rest of my life. I don't need to hustle and grind and chase every dollar like the world does. God, if you give me bread today, I can trust you for bread tomorrow. I can trust you for that. Does that mean I shouldn't work? No. Does that mean I shouldn't save? No. But there's a point where you're working and you're saving, and if you're a worker or a saver, you already know the point because you've been there. We've all been around the corner and ran into the sign where you're crossing over, and it's like, now I'm just striving and struggling. I already have enough, and I just cannot get peace. It's just not happening. Now I'm just, I'm just struggling to try to find peace with more money, more time, more energy, more things, and I'm passing that point where it's what God wanted me, and I'm trying to overshine, trying to get too much, and now my life's becoming stressful and frustrated and agitated and angry. It's like eating donuts. One is good. Two is fun eight, nine, ten, starts to make you sick. And not later, like now. Too much provision can make us sick. We become selfish and self-centered and self-reliant, and that makes us sick. But he says to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Whatever we owe you, Lord, just forgive it. Praise God. Move on. But it says, as we also forgive our debtors. I'm making the assumption that if somebody's wronged me, I'm going to forgive them. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from. When we're talking about receiving from heaven, okay, the key is of what payback looks like. Our conceptions first of what payback looks like. Does that mean that it can't be money, that it can't be wealth, that it can't be a, pro, uh, a, a promotion at a job, that it can't be a new car, that it can't be any of the fun stuff because God's just going to give me nothing good. I'm going to have like 47 different versions of the Bible sent to me in the mail. Instead of a check, and I need money. No, God will do something good for you, and sometimes he'll give you abundantly, financially, or other things. But it's saying, stop and saying, Lord, I don't put my own expectation on it. I want to receive what you want to give me, and I want to receive from you what you think is best for me in my life right now, today, and have peace there. And so when we're even doing those forms, and you're looking at the bottom, and you're looking for blessing, look with those heaven eyes. Look and say, God, show me what you're doing in my life right now. Show me how you're blessing me. Show me how you're giving. And begin to let God be the one that's dictating in your life your provision and your purpose. And if you do that, then you're aligning yourself up with God's grace, and he's going to lean into your life, and he's going to begin to pour out blessing of his presence and of his care as he guides you forward in life. And that's where you'll find the peace and the fulfillment that we're looking for. Amen? Let's bow our head. Father, I thank you right now for this, this church, and I thank you that, Lord, you're faithful to us. God, that you who started a work in us is faithful to complete it. Lord, that you are starting a work in us, Lord, as uh, you're moving us towards you or towards your ways, Lord, to be able to see and to receive. God, to be uh, both generous in giving, but also, Lord, open and humble and generous in receiving from you. Lord, you're good. You're faithful. We're all here because of that. Lord, the stories in this room are quite, quite wild. 
people drowning and coming to life, people coming out of addiction, people that have been sexually abused, people that have been trafficked, people that have abused others, people that have been in jail and come out, people that have been in divorce, people that have overcome cancer. Oh, there's a million stories in this, just this room. And we're all here because you're faithful, and because you give, and you're generous into our lives. Lord, help us to see it, help us to receive, and help us to live, Lord, in gratitude and expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.